Welcome to the latest bonus episode of Better with Dr. Erica, and I have something special for you. This episode is a best of episode that features the better seven. Yes, what? I said the better seven. Those seven essential areas you need to have to get the life you were created for, to get that life that when you wake up in the morning, you swing your feet off the bed, put them on the floor, and you're ready for what's coming at you. Looking forward to the day. So this episode focuses on certain areas of the better seven, not quite all seven. It focuses on supply, what you put into your body, support, community and interpersonal relationships, steps, which is movement or exercise and self-talk. I'm just getting so excited just talking about it. This episode features clips from a few different episodes. Yes, I said a few different episodes because you know, we can't just have clips from one episode. That would not, that would not be right. That would not be me treating you the way you need to be treated, you know? So let's talk about what we got here today. You ready? <laughs> I get so excited. I feel like I just would have a whole conversation with you about what are the goings ons. So this episode is going to feature clips from episode... 23, Using Food to Make Your Health Better with Monique May. It's also going to feature episode 25, Getting Better by Building Community with Ronald Victor. It will then feature, I feel like we should have a drum roll, episode 29, Better Health with Movement and Wellness Habits with Dr. Diana Lake. Then we're going to move on to, I keep getting so excited. (laughs) I want drum rolls everywhere, but it is not necessarily appropriate to have a drum roll seemingly everywhere (laughs) but the next episode is episode 31 living your best life with food safety with kim williams then we're going to round it all out with the last clip which is going to be from episode 24 building resilience to be better with jermaine taylor now you're going to want to stay on to the last minute because these clips feature practical steps to improve your mental health, your physical health, and your happiness. Who doesn't want better health and happiness? For real? Let's do it. Now, you know we have some shareable moments. Here in Better Nation, we post quotes or memorable moments on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. So let's get to the episode. This first clip features Dr. Monique May, the physician in the kitchen. Now listen closely because she gives you some true wisdom on simple ways to make healthy food taste good. There is no eating unseasoned grass when you're dealing with hers. So stay tuned. Better with Dr. Erica. Some of the most delicious food I have memories of were vegetable or plant-based. 
And so it, first, let, let, let me let me take a step back because my approach to people is to meet them where they are. Whenever I'm talking with people, I'm, I'm never telling somebody, you need to go, you need to empty out your pantry, refrigerator, and freezer and start from scratch. No. What I encourage people to do, just like when I was in practice, is to really take small steps, set small achievable goals so that you don't get overwhelmed and you don't get self-defeated. So if you like fried fish, fried chicken, and those things, okay, We'll get to that. What I want to tell people is try to start at least one, one day a week, Meatless Monday. That's one one thing I talk about. Try one day a week to replace the animal protein in your diet with a vegetable base. Have mushrooms instead of uh, chicken or lentils, beans. Those are very filling plant-based things that can often, uh, that are often used to take the place of meat. And as far as making them taste great, are you kidding me? All the spices and seasonings that are out there, those natural, those herbs. I mean, my goodness, we could go, I could go on and on and on about that. I, I think, you know, we're so conditioned in this country with the way our food is processed and packaged, loaded with salt, loaded with sugar, loaded with fat, that that's, if it doesn't have those things in there, then it doesn't taste good. And I really just want to do like a control alt delete on everybody's taste buds and just kind of reset because actually studies have even shown, I think it's two weeks as far as kind of resetting your salt sensor or salt taste. I think it's two weeks and as little as two weeks. If you decrease the amount of salt and when you go back then to start adding salt in your food, it will taste extremely salty. And it's you're probably using the exact same amount that you were using before. That's because you've kind of flushed out those taste buds and really started to appreciate the, the natural flavors of food. As I mentioned, I'm in culinary school. One of the things, one of my aha moments so far in, in culinary school has been add acid. And by that, I mean lemon juice, orange juice, lime zest, uh, apple cider vinegar, you wine, all of these are acids. All of these work to bring out and enhance natural flavors. So a little bit of salt, but you know, start to rely more on fresh herbs, fresh spices, acid. Um, you'd be amazed. You would be amazed. I made some green beans almadine which is just basically green beans with some shallots or onion, and then you uh, you toast some some um, some slivered almonds, and you throw that all together, and you add, you finish off the dish with a little bit of lemon, lemon juice. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, who knew green beans could taste this good? I mean, there may be people people out there who love green beans. To me, they're just meh. But that dish was like. Wow. And really the only main difference was really adding the acid. So I think as people start to become more inquisitive and explore more, and you don't have to go to culinary school to learn all this stuff, but, you know, start to maybe practice or try other cooking techniques because the way you cook food, the way you cut food all affects the taste. And so those are ways that you can bump up that flavor where you're not feeling like, oh, if it's not slathered in you know, mayonnaise and salt and sugar and it's no good. And that, that's been an, an eye-opening moment for me. And, and I hope others will, you know, start to at least think about those things. So I know you mentioned acid and I won't lie. I think I kind of accidentally discovered that, <laughs> the <laughs> world of acid. But if you had to think of beyond just kind of overall 
overall things as far as adding acid or, or fresh herbs, if you had to pick just a couple of things that you feel like are just like flavor boosters, flavor bombs, or things that just make things taste good, what are a handful of those? Oh, gosh. Garlic, ginger, cilantro, uh, tarragon. That's my new favorite one. And turmeric. Um, actually, I do. I use that one more for color, believe it or not, when I'm trying mm-hmm. to boost the color. If I want to make something look more yellow, like my scrambled tofu uh-huh. or my lemon pound cake, I'll use some ground tofu. But definitely, I mean, garlic and ginger, you can't go wrong. Um, shallots, you know, mince and dice mm-hmm. them, um, some shallots and put them in whatever you're making. Definitely will add that flavor. Um, and then I would guess, let's say, if I had to pick another one, oh, gosh. Um, you know, and I'm not averse to using salt. I mean, salt has mm-hmm. been around for, you know, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. I just encourage people to be mindful. I mean, I myself have hypertension, so I have to be really careful with that. Um, but if you definitely, if you want to get away from salt altogether, um, I would say um, basil. That's, oh, that's my other favorite okay. is basil. Oh, I can get intoxicated on just the smell of basil. <laughs> oh, I love caprese salads. Yes. Yes, they definitely. they they make me happy, mm-hmm. and and one of the reasons we're even talking about this is that it's so essential to be intentional about what you put in your body, and one of the things that I think is important to keep in mind when you're thinking about what you put in your body is at some point you have to think of what your end goal is, is 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 your end goal going into a food coma perpetually and then dying. Or is your end goal being having a long life where you're here to enjoy your family, friends, and have more experiences? And and for me, the reason I say that is not to guilt anybody, because I will admit I ate my way through Boston. I did. I ate so many lobster rolls, French fries, oysters. I, I literally ate my way, and now I'm back to not eating all of that stuff all the time. And, you know, I think the thing is there's a there's something to be said for some level of moderation because I think the thing that happens and what we've seen a lot in this pandemic is, I'm trying to think of another way to say it, but this is the only thing that's coming to mind. So bear with me if this is offensive. People, it's so easy to go balls to the wall. And it's like, oh, I'm going to eat this today, but tomorrow. Oh, but this, this, um, this pizza makes me feel good. Oh, that burger makes me feel good. And especially at a time like this where it's stressful, you can, what would have been something for one or two days turns into an every, an everyday event. And one of the reasons we have to be intentional about what's going on is there are so many areas of our work of our world and our lives that give us total optimal health. And I often talk about the better seven, which are seven essential areas. And one of the reasons we're talking about this is one of them is supply, which is what you're putting in your body. But at the end of the day, your goal, along with my goal, is to have longevity and high quality of life, which means we have to take care of our vessel. Because if we don't take care of our vessel or our body, we won't be around to enjoy the long life and to enjoy all of the things. So it's one of the reasons I brought Dr. Monique on is there are, you know, sometimes we talk about mental health and we talk about your emotional well-being, your self-talk, sleep, those kinds of things. But it's food is food and what we put in our body is important because not only does it actually run your body, 
but but we can also tear our bodies down by what we're putting in it. And if we're not intentional about what we put in it, then we may be making decisions that we're not thinking of the long-term consequences. Don't get me wrong. I ain't saying never eat anything. It, it's just a situation where we just need to be intentional and pay attention to what we're putting in our body. Well, Dr. Erica, I cannot agree with you more. And this is, I mean, you teed me up perfectly because one of the comments I wanted to make with during my time with you is to talk about the word diet. Because to me, diet is a four-letter, it's a four-letter word. A bad four letter word now. And but I, I have to qualify that because there's the, I'll call it the capital D and, and the small d. So the capital D is the, the four letter word like you know, the, the fed, those are the fad diets, the diets that people do to lose, you know, at a ridiculous amount of weight in a short amount of time for, you know, a wedding and a reunion or what have you versus lowercase d diet, which is what you eat every day or what what your nutrition is comprised in or delivered in. So those are the, when I think about diet, I think of about those two different distinctions. And I came up with an acronym, acronym for the word diet. And it's so perfect for what you just said. I'm ready. I, I, you know, who doesn't love a good acronym, right? I mean, hashtag nerd all, here all day. Um, but it's diet, D-I-E-T, which is daily intent to eat triumphantly. Did you catch that tip on resetting your palate? (laughs) That is gold. Now, don't forget, you can start small. You don't have to overhaul your whole entire life at one time. I hear something else to do every time I listen to her episode. (laughs) I probably need to listen to it one more time. So next up, we have Ron Victor, the master community builder and founder of Lyman Professionals, The Syndicate. Now, tune in as he breaks down why you should curate the people in your circle. There are a lot of people out there that they give and give and give. And not only is it that they're not given to themselves, that they give everywhere. And then it looks like no one really gives to them or no one pours into them. And I think that's one of those times you also have to look at your community also, is that if you find yourself in a position where none of the, none or most of the relationships aren't reciprocal, and you're pouring into a bunch of people, but no one's pouring into you, then you need to start assessing who is that circle that you have around you. Yep. If you're not learning and growing from your circle, you're in the wrong circle. Actually, I saw a quote somewhere. If you're not learning and growing from your circle, you're not in a circle, you're in a cage. Ooh. And that was a key, key distinction. Because you're basically holding yourself back from so much. Hence, the cage reference. A circle is a connected. I wish you all could see all of the hand movements <laughs> going yeah. on in the background over here from yeah. Ron. Yeah, a circle is a connected group of people. And like you said, we, we went, we go. And one of the, the, the taglines at LPTS is from strangers to friends and friends to family. So there's growth, right? There's a growth path. Anybody who comes in here is a stranger. And then they start to meet everybody and figure out, look, I have alignment with these people. They do so many things I like to do. And they're interested in what I like to do. And they're willing to experience what I like to do. So again, you have the reciprocal nature of the, of the network. But there's a growth path. 
like everybody comes in, they learn the things that they they're, they're aspiring to learn through references from the network or um, just basically repeating some of the things that they see in the network. It improves the way they see life. It improves their career. It improves their personal life by having some of these shared experiences. And that's nothing I do or I control. That's just, like I said, organic people coming together who are a vibe that is similar to them. And that tribe forming is there for you in any way that you need that tribe to be. Well, there, I would argue there is a piece you do control, not necessarily in the entire environment, but I, I do believe there's something intentional about how you curate the people in your personal life. You know, and, and I would encourage all of you out there that there are periods of time and sometimes people do it in stress. Some people time, kind of do it almost like they do business meetings with themselves and periodically just kind of take stock and look at who is the circle around you. And what are the what relationships do you feel like give you energy and what are relationships that drain you? Because we all have at least one person, friend, family or work that when you see their number come across the screen of your phone. Your first thought is, what do they want or how can I not answer the phone or I don't want to answer the phone? Everybody has at least one person like that. <laughs> yep. But, you know, the goal is you don't want to be s- surrounded by your circle being a lot of people mm-hmm. like that, that you need to assess where what ener- what gives you energy and what drains you, because actually, you know, you're looking at almost like an energy exchange. You don't want too much that drains you. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, so you have to almost do, you know, how people talk like they look, they go through their Facebook friends and they kind of yeah. do an audit. And sometimes you have to do an audit of all of your interpersonal relationships and just kind of figure out who's supporting, who's just draining you dry. Yep. I do that on my social media uh, regularly. Like oh, yes. My feed is so positive and everything now because back then, back, let's say a couple of years ago, I realized, like, look, there's a lot of people who are always negative <laughs> or always have something negative <laughs> to say or always complaining about something. Like, I don't want to see that when I go into my personal space, even if it's online. Because at work, we deal with fixing problems all day and resolving issues and getting to the next phase of the project. You have to resolve all these issues to make sure everything works. I want to do that. In my personal life, too. When I clock out, (laughs) my personal life has to be now where I go for Zen. (laughs) I love that. So you're basically clocking, you're clocking out to Zen. Yeah. I purify my feed regularly. (laughs) I'm just happy that I I haven't been blocked. I'm like, oh, I'm still here. (laughs) Thank you. we, We all have our days, but if it's a consistent thing, bruh, I can't help you. Yeah, you need to go see somebody about that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I, I love it and I, I love how in, intentional it is. So I, I would be remiss because I know one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is support community and, and relationships. And you, you brought up that, you know, you're a new father 
and a new husband. And I've had quite a few men on and they've talked about kind of how family family is for them. What's it like being a, a new dad and a new husband in the middle of COVID? <laughs> Actually, COVID helped. Like Danny and I always talk about that. Like COVID gave us the opportunity to get to know each other because it, 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 you're staying away from people. You're forced to mm-hmm. look at each other and speak to each other and talk to each other and talk things out and explore opportunities together, explore. Like that's why we started doing the hikes and all these type of things because we found other common interests and we started exploring them. Without COVID, we would have had the hustle and bustle of work and all these other pieces of noise that would have prevented us from having as much time as we had together. So I would say COVID was actually a plus with respect to the relationship, which is why everything went so fast after a while, because we were friends for seven years before we became partners. Right? So there was already a foundation. But when you when you get into a relationship with somebody, there's other parts of it now that you have to explore, right? That would take that would have taken longer were it not for COVID. Because her schedule and my schedule trying to coordinate time to get together would have been a whole other mess. <laughs> Indeed. So and- forcing us to work from home and having to be in the same space and that type of thing just created more opportunities to do that in a shorter space of time. Better with Dr. Erica. I have to admit that I'm honored that I have survived Ron's social media purchase. You know, sometimes you just got to be happy you are still standing. Now, in that segment, he talked about a quote, and that quote moved me so much that I had to look it up. So the original quote is from the late Nipsey Hussle, and it is, if you look at the people in your circle and don't get inspired, then you don't have a circle, you have a cage. Look at Nipsey Hussle making it happen. So these practical tips of curating your in-person and digital interpersonal relationships can be a game changer with increasing the positive energy and decreasing the negative energy that you are surrounded by, along with identifying who are your actual true support. Because I know you all have these internet friends, these real life friends, and some family that sometimes you're not quite sure if they really have your back, and it's important to know who really does. And on a side note, you need to listen to Ron's original episode to hear the epic tale of how he went from being all the way in the friend zone to being a husband and father. Who knew you could really make it out of the friend zone? So I guess we should get to the next clip. Dr. Diana Lake, fitness and weight loss coach and menopause wellness expert. She gives some serious nuggets about motivation for movement and finding ways to keep exercise fresh. Better with Dr. Erica. A well-rounded, healthy lifestyle. It's not convenient. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not convenient. It's not comfortable, but you get to be comfortable with the, you know, inconvenience of it. And, right? and that's it. Is that you get to it's be gonna... comfortable with that inconvenience because the benefit or benefits, I would say, that you get from that inconvenience. Like this morning, I didn't feel like going to the gym. But what did I do? I pulled my sneakers up. <laughs> And I took my bunch of gym. It, it's not. It's not convenient at all. I'm gonna have you yell at me because I have on workout clothes. <laughs> I, I I just need to pop on my pump on my Peloton. That's like that's probably cries every day because it's lonely. <laughs> well, we can we can set up a meeting to do. You know what? Look at this. 
I have to do cardio tonight anyway, so we have a date. Okay. <laughs> See, that's how you do it. <laughs> I, I know, I, I, I know, I know. And one of the other things I like that you talked about a little bit earlier was when you were dealing with some high-level stresses and some overwhelm is that how that physical activity helped you. And I, I really yes. think sometimes people hear endorphins and it's like, it's not necessarily always you work out and you just feel like, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I feel great. Mm -hmm. But also I was reading this book called um, Burnout by I Amelia and Emily Nagoski. And they actually even talk about how physical exercise can also be a way to complete out the stress cycle. And I think sometimes exercise and movement do doesn't get the credit it deserves for actually being an emotional, emotional processing tool. Yes, definitely. And the beautiful thing about movement is you get to choose what it is. You know, somebody might like, you know, doing the Peloton. Someone else might like swimming. Another person might like tennis. I love soca. Remember I met you in Trinidad? I know. I, 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 I miss it. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm going to be super back. fine by the time we can be back on the road at this rate. <laughs> but yeah, so you can make it be soca dance. You know, you could do a dance cardio. You could do weight training. You really can create something amazing that you enjoy, that you want to do, that you can't wait to do. So then it doesn't become work. It's like, look, I get to move my body. I get to feel amazing doing something I enjoy, right? I'm a tennis player, so I love to play tennis. For me, that's something I look forward to. I burn a ton of calories, you know, and so you get to pick what it is for you. And then you start doing it and it becomes your one of your hobbies, right? You can look at movement as a hobby and make it, you know, just infuse it into your life. Add, bring people, right? Grab a friend, you know, make it something that it's not just you doing lone wolfing it. We love to lone wolf when it comes to fitness. <laughs> we want to do it in hiding. No, tell people what you're doing. People who you trust, people who would check on you and say, hey, Erica, did you do your workout today? Hmm? <laughs> uh, You'd be like, oh yeah. Oh. I feel so I feel so uh I feel so seen. <laughs> yeah, I can't so, see the you, know, I say, you create <laughs> yeah, you create the environment so you can succeed. Right? You put yourself smack in the middle of an accountability group or you know, you get somebody to work with who you see is doing what you want to do, right? Who's kind of a few steps ahead of you. And you get support, you get accountability, and then you start to show up for yourself. It works. That is wonderful. And I, I will admit, I, I have times where I'm phenomenal and times where I'm on the struggle bus, but we don't we get off do. the struggle bus. <laughs> Even my, I do too. <laughs> we don't get off the struggle bus. But I think one of the other things is I would, I would remind everyone out there in podcast listener land is that sometimes the movement that brings you joy or excitement may change. So there are times you, you may switch it up or you may be yes. experimenting with something else um, because what, what lights your fire one day may not light it, you know, the next year. You may yes. need a little and rotation. And give yourself permission for that and permit yourself to love different things. 
and, you know, and, and just change with the times. Uh, maybe you get to a point where you can't go deep on those squats anymore, right? So then you find some a, a modification or you find something else you can do that still can tone your legs. Maybe you get ankle weights, right? And you do a whole floor routine with ankle weights as opposed to, you know, doing a machine or something else. So just be open to the possibilities of continuing this work well into your 80s Literally, you can do this and you just get to move with it. You get to shift with it. And, you know, as you get older, you just find things that you're, that you're able to do that are still fun, but still challenging. You still want it to be challenging so that your body continues to transform with you. I love all of that. And I also love now that there are all these different communities because I remember, I remember at one point, because as I mentioned earlier, running is not my ministry. And I remember being almost jealous of everybody that was in Black Girls Run because they just seemed like they were having the best time ever all the time together. And I got so happy when there were other fitness communities other than runners because I'm like, I don't know if I can start running just because I want to be part of BGR. Like, it's not- you know, some of them walk. Some of them will walk the whole 5K. You know, well, and, the, and the great thing are there are so many communities now, yes. you know, from people, you know, the Peloton community to people doing ETM, E2M yes. to uh, just other kinds of groups or even meetups that are yes. kind of around fitness or even like you have a community of the people that work with you and different people will have communities associated with them. So it's all, I, I love now that it's not like there's one option. If you, you're right. not BGR, you're just stuck. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love also that in all of these different communities, you get to pick and choose what you want out of it. You know, like um, in my my uh, free group that I have, I'll go on and I'll do teaching sessions. I'll do I, I do a ton of mindset work because I really feel that once your fitness mindset is locked in, you know, you're much more equipped to get back on track when you fall off, and it's inevitable. We all fall off. Right. But once you get your big why, like, OK, why am I doing this? What, what's important about me doing this work for me? Who gets to benefit when I'm succeeding? Right. And if I don't do this, what does that look like as well? Right. If I don't make the changes, what's down the pipe for me? Is it diabetes? Is it high blood pressure? Is it mm-hmm. stroke? Is what's what what's in my family history? Right. So getting the mindset piece down and teaching people about that, even if they're not working with me, you know, there are, I don't know, twenty seven hundred women in the free group. And a lot of them don't work with me one on one. Some of them do. But I still want to give that away so that at minimum they're getting the mindset piece worked out, you know, mm-hmm. and if they choose later on, they want to come and work with me, then oh, they get the whole thing. <laughs> You know, but yes, just giving them enough to get them started, even so that even if they end up going and working with somebody else or working on their own, they have that that piece that they need to stay on track and be consistent. So, yeah, and I think the groups give you that if you're in, you know, depending on the group that you're in. And I love that you mentioned that mindset piece, because I, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people as far as sometimes you'll know what's supposed to be the motivation, 
but something keeps getting in the way of actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think that mindset piece is huge. And it's one of the reasons why sometimes it's helpful to work with someone. And sometimes it ends up being even more than mindset. And you may it may be helpful to even have a therapist that when you yes. start seeing, when you're able to kind of put together, okay, I know the benefits. I know I should do this. I know what I should be doing, but something gets in the way of me doing it. That sometimes then you may need more mindset work or you may need a therapist or a mental health professional to help kind of go underneath that and figure out what is getting in the way of you doing what you know is good for you so that you can get that worked out so then you can shift into that action Mm -hmm. to do those other things for yourself. Absolutely. And I'm a huge proponent of, you know, when I have my first, you know, session with a client, we'll go over the medical history. I'll ask about depression. I'll ask about anxiety. I'll ask about thyroid disease. You know, I'll ask about, you know, just anything that I know will affect their ability, you know, to do what we're going to be doing. And if there's an underlying, you know, uh, mood disorder, eating disorder, disordered eating, you know, or anything like that going on, I want to know that going into it. So I know, you know, who I'm working with. Right. And if there's something that I see that I know is above and beyond what I'm able to provide, I definitely will let them know, hey, you would benefit from seeing a mental health provider to work on this piece while we're working on this other piece. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that this, you know, a multidisciplinary approach to what overall wellness. And it's not just, oh, eat this, you know, do this workout. No, it's that. But it's also how are you doing? And I do mental checks with them once a week, like midweek and at mm-hmm. the end of the week. How are you doing? Right. Because like you said, you could know all the things, but still not do it because the underlying thing is deeper. It could be depression, you know, it could be anxiety, it could be personality disorder, it could be, you know, so many other things under there. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com. That's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica. I was talking to my therapist recently. Yes, I have a therapist. Yep, I said it. It's great to have someone that unconditionally holds space for me. Which is one of the reasons I encourage you to have one too. It's always lovely to have someone that it is purely their job just to listen. Well, we were talking about challenges that I've had with working out along with my schedule. You know, I've mentioned multiple times that working out has been something that I've been on the total struggle bus for quite a while, despite knowing all the reasons that it's important for me to actually work out. She said something that 
resonated so strongly and was so spot on. She said, you have sacrificed your workouts for productivity. And it's so true. I get up early to work on my businesses and use the time that I would usually work out to just work. Um, and sometimes you just need someone to call your attention to things so you can start coming up with plans and ways to adjust. So I encourage you to have an honest talk with yourself about what your priorities are and which of them you are currently sacrificing for something else. I bet it's going to help you figure out how to move some things around so that all the things that you truly feel on the inside that are your priorities, you're actually able to start doing. That's it. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. This episode's great, but it's not over yet. Thanks for hanging in here because there are some good stuff coming up that you don't want to miss. So the next guest is food safety expert, Kim Williams. Yes, I said food safety. Tune in to hear what the top everyday food safety tips are. What do you love about working with food safety? Um, it's one of those fields where I'm like, first of all, everybody has to eat. And so there's some job security in that. But also people take for granted, we all take for granted our food, our food sources, and what all is involved with getting food from wherever it is grown, wherever it is processed to, to our plates. And so it, it gets, so what I really love about food safety is that also it feeds into my technical nature mm -hmm. in terms of every, everything is a process. So just understanding and knowing that whole process and then being able to influence how it impacts our, our customers. Um, the other thing that's fascinating about it is that food brings so many memories um, and it can be happy memories, but then when food and people go bad, like when people get sick, mm. it is awful. And so to be in a space where I can also impact how, um, how our customers experience food, uh, is something that's just, it's impactful. So it seems like you, you're able to pull the curtain back on all this stuff that's behind the food that somehow magically arrives at our houses. If you could think of a few things that you wish other people knew, not just the food safety crew like you, what are some things that you wish people in general, including our audience, would know about having their food be safe? The first thing is it's temperature. Um, again, we take for granted our refrigerators, uh, but everybody should have a thermometer and everybody should test the, the temperature of their, of their refrigerator and it should be below 40 degrees. And because that's the magic point where, you know, our little micro friends like to grow and that's, that's what's going to lead to people getting sick. So just having respect for your refrigerator and, and, and knowing its temperature is one thing that, uh, that I wish people would uh, know a little bit more about and not, not so much take, take for granted. Um, but then also just knowing your food sources, um, you know, knowing that there is a farmer out there and there are people who are picking your tomatoes and picking your, your orange, your oranges that go into your orange juice. And here's the other thing that, and that kind of gets me because um, people also, you know, they want to sometimes poke at some of the larger corporations and the, the products that they make. Um, and then they'll like dissect it and say, I'll give you an example for orange juice. Cause like mm -hmm. to make orange juice and especially to make it so that it tastes, the thing is customers don't like taste or flavors that, that fluctuate, 
They want okay. it to taste the same way every time. But Mother Nature does not work that way. You know, the orange that's grown this year is not going to taste just like the orange that was grown that's going to be grown next year or the orange that that was that grew last year. It's just not. That's just how it works. But, you know, but, comp, but larger corporations, they want that consistent flavor. So they have done all the work that they need to do to understand how they take all of the different components of an orange and store those and then recombine them so that they have a consistent product throughout the year. So part of it is a balance of understanding what it is that you want out of a product, but what it takes to actually get there and just having respect for that. And, you know, because different people, you know, have different relationships with food and with beverages. And it's kind of like, you know, if if knowing like all of the sources of your food is super important to you, just recognize it's not going to taste the same every day. And you got to be okay with that. (laughs) I would have never even thought of that because now that you mentioned that, I remember when I was in medical school, we all had this thing about orange juice and a chunk of us loved orange juice with pulp in it. And there's one particular brand that we all really loved. And now that I think about it, it tastes the same. It's tasted the same over 20 years, <laughs> no matter what season. So, wow, I I never even thought of the fact that it takes so much to keep something consistent. Yes. But so... No, I also never thought about actually paying attention to the temperature of my refrigerator. That's that that's 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 where the bad things happen. Now, what kind of thermometer do you usually use to test your? Um, I actually I'm lazy right now, so I'm using the um, my refrigerator tells me what the temperature is, but um, I actually have I carry a couple probe thermometers for work, so I have jammed those in there, and then I also have a um, a laser thermometer too. So I can just point it at the back refrigerator and it'll tell me the temperature. Wow. A laser thermometer? Mm-hmm. It's like a little laser gun. You have all the tools. <laughs> so how about this? How about I'll just have you come over periodically and just check, do it. Just check the temp for me? <laughs> I will do that for you because I want you to be safe and your now, family and friends. Now, I know we had kind of talked about the thing that is interesting that a chemist, chemists have to be involved in food. And I know one of the things a lot of times we're talking about eating healthy is ideally looking for foods that your ingredients, you don't need to be a chemist to read. If you had to say just from all of your knowledge as a chemist, a chemical engineer and a food safety purpose, if there was one thing people need to know about these labels, what would the one thing be? Um, I had so many thoughts just went through my head (laughs) about it. I got time. You could say more than one thought. Oh, that that's good. One, um, it's just be respectful of what it is that you're eating. And just because you can't pronounce it doesn't mean that it's not supposed to be there in your food. Um, there are first and foremost corporations, nobody wants to make anyone sick. They, they want their customers to be well and they want their customers to enjoy the food. Um, and it takes, a, it takes a huge team to determine, like there are people like Consumer Insights who actually study, you know, what it is that people want. And then, you know, then you've got product developers who actually, you know, bring it all to life. And then you've got engineers who actually take it from bench top to full scale. 
Um, so just know that there's a, a, a lot of people who are involved to make the food that it is that you're consuming. And there's a lot of pride and a lot of love that, that goes into it. And so like, to, to me, the biggest message is no one is trying to purposely make anyone um, sick or unhealthy. It really is. It really is about balance. And just because you can't pronounce it, like I said, it doesn't mean that it, it shouldn't be in your food. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a there's a mold inhibitor that is used in food, uh, natamycin, and that's what it is. It's a mold inhibitor, um, and we or food companies use it in a variety of products. But you can learn how to pronounce that because it's like because the alternative is you purchase this particular dip and it just has mold on it the second you purchase it. Like the mold inhibitor is there so that it can, ex, you know, extends the shelf life, you know, so you can enjoy that product for, you know, seven days as opposed to, you know, only being able to use it for 24 hours. Um, but then there are other, there are other ones that are considered quote unquote natural, like cultured dextrose. And that's not, those aren't words that are typically within people's vocabulary. Um, but it, it does the exact same thing as, as natamycin. So like I said, just because you don't know how to pronounce a word doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it shouldn't be there. Got it. And I, and I think from what you're saying also, because one of, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is that this concept called the better seven, and it's these seven areas that are essential for you to have that better life. And one is supply, which is what are the things that you're putting in your body, is that it seems like there needs to be some type of healthy balance at times about there are some things that you're going to get fresh so if you buy an apple from the store, you got an apple. You know, if you bought some kale, you got kale. If you bought some cilantro, you bought some cilantro. And it seems like it probably would be helpful sometimes to have a healthy balance of naturally there are things that just have to be done to food to package it. Absolutely. Versus, you know, it, if you just get it straight. But the other thing is you also have to be willing for the fact that if, and I know, I know, I know Kim in real life. So we can have this conversation, which is if you're buying a lot of fresh food, you're going to be buying food often <laughs> and you, you better be intentional about how you're going to use it. Cause I don't know about you. It drives me nuts when I have to throw something out. I literally just saw a meme that someone had that said, I had to get that one thing of packaged salad so that I could throw it out in two weeks when it went back. <laughs> I love that meme. It's so true. But but it's one of those things that you have to be able, you have to plan when you're buying fresh. And sometimes people want to have some mixture because then it may not be convenient to always go to the store day of or a couple of days before, or just the way you can have food keep. Also, people need to realize that along with that fresh comes the things that come with fresh, like bugs. You know, bugs live in fields and they get into your food like they're, you know, they're they're not saying, OK, this is for a person. Let me not let me avoid that. That is not what that bug is saying. So just recognize there's some natural that comes with that natural. Oh, I'm I'm good for soaking everything in something. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting paid by Trader Joe's, but that Trader Joe's vegetable and fruit wash. <laughs> You know, and when I can't get that, it's that apple cider vinegar that we have found a way to use it for every single thing known to man. Yeah. I don't know. You know, at one point I, it was like hair conditioner. 
you know, you can soak your, your hands and feet in and it's good for your skin and your nails. You can make salad dressing. You can soak fruit. I mean, I won't lie. It's one of those things I feel like you could do everything with. Better with Dr. Erica. I'm still chuckling because you have to hear the huge myth in the black community that Kim busts in the original episode. So I feel like you need to go back and listen to her episode just for black history. <laughs> but I'm not going to spoil it here. I feel like that way I don't have to go spoiler alert. So I honestly am about to go on Amazon to order that thermometer from my refrigerator. But wait, y'all heard that she said she'd come over and check my fridge tips. I need to like dial her up and have her come over. Now you're ready to make sure your food is safe at home after you listen to her. Who who can't do better with that? So guess what? We are in the home stretch. The last guest is host and actor Jermaine Taylor, and he rounds out the better seven by addressing support and self-talk. I'll be back after that segment. But I would say the most major shift to date happened about 15 and, year, 15 and a half years ago. We mentioned I've got a secret, and um, that was a huge, you know, boon for me because I had never had any significant television experience. And right at the end of that, I developed this really nasty cosmetic condition. It tanked everything about me. Everything. I mean, there was nothing in the tank left. No gas, no confidence. Spent all my money, and it caused me to stay at the bottom for like a long time. And I can't even explain where I got the resilience from, to be honest with you, to just stay in it until I knew I would get past it. And I did. But um, it took a long-ass time. So I feel like that was the most significant shift and pivot because in that dark space that I'm just now coming out of, that I'm just now coming out of, Mm -hmm. um, I learned so much about who I am, the bad parts, the habits that I need to break. Um, about a lot of people, um, the good and bad of people, a lot of strangers came to my rescue. Mm. And I couldn't figure out, I was like, what is it about me where, you know, I'm just constantly getting these lifelines. And I feel like people, when they see that there's something underneath you that's solid and real, they will be a lot more apt to help you. Now, you got to help yourself. And some days I just wasn't in the space of helping myself because... You know, I was kind of insane, making the same mistakes over and over again, you know. But um, I just have to take the scenic route to learning a lot of hard lessons. And now that I know them, I'm a lot more confident. And um, this is a really good time. So I don't know if we could have had this conversation even a year ago. Well, the one thing, though, is it's hard to have a linear a linear path to awakening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's just really hard to have it. And the interesting thing of you mentioning, you didn't know where your resilience came from or not knowing why people are helping you. Ironically, I had a conversation with my, my mom earlier today. I had just gone to an acupuncturist and she had given me some extra time. And I was tell we had a whole conversation because one of my old, um, some people that trained me back when I was at Harvard talked about likability and how critical it's one of those, I can't even call it a soft skill because it it's much firmer than that, but people go out of their way to help people that are likable. 
And I have a feeling that even though you may have been in a dark space, because I didn't know you at that time, is that you may have been a, a dark space, but people could sense something about your your spirit right. and who you are right. as as a person right. and that you are likable. Right. And I pretty much, and I guess that, I guess that was my currency. You know, that was the rent that I was paying, you know, who I was, who I've always been. I mean, I get a little angry and angst right now <clears throat> because I feel like a lot of people in this town still don't know the real Jermaine. Um, that's why I'm so eager to connect with all my fraternity brothers outside of this town, all of my friends from school and high school and mm -hmm. college, because they remember that full Jermaine, that Jermaine that was just sufficient, self-sufficient, just took life by the, just went at it. So when they talk to me, they sense like, hmm, something's changed about you. And um, I never give them the full story up until now. So I felt like that whole process was because I was pretty much living from the outside and I had to go through something to learn how to live from within the grit because the lessons that I have now, you'd have to hold me at gunpoint to take them away from me. <laughs> so, so you're talking about lessons and I know sometimes on here we talk about the better seven and one is support and it sounds like support was huge for you and also self-talk because what we tell ourselves has an amazing amount of power. But what were some of these key lessons that you learned that you are not giving away at gunpoint? Well, you just mentioned one. Um, don't believe the lies that you hear about yourself or the, that you even tell you about yourself. You know, I used to live in my head a lot. And the smallest little piece of criticism or even the slightest little look from somebody else would just send me into a tailspin and I'd be gone. But now I can process it. It might be a little bit of a sting, but the sting won't last as long because I can move past it. Oftentimes the way people feel about you has nothing to do with you. Right. <laughs> it does not. Um, I, you know that statement that you always see on uh, social media, people are fighting battles you never know nothing about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that means pops up pretty much all the time. Um, I'm very, I'm tempered to judge people, even people that slight me, because I am very aware of situations that go on to lead to, to that very moment. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I won't judge a person based on that one interaction with me because I don't know what they just experienced right before that happened. Um. There is joy in taking time to getting where I want to go. Um, I used to try to shortcut a lot of things, especially when I was um, dealing with my skin a lot. I would try these quick fixes and spend all this money and go to these different estheticians and do all this. And I was like, wait a minute. This thing is still here because why I haven't salvaged all the good that's coming out of it. I love something you said about going through things. And I think one of the key things around that is part of what lets you know that something will have an end is being able to have some little morsel or bit of hope. That a lot of times hope is what helps people realize that my present may not be all of my future. And it's one of the reasons I think support is important 
important because sometimes when you're struggling, you need people to hold on to hope for you and to reinforce hope with you because you may not be able to see it immediately. It's one of the things I say about one of my jobs as a psychiatrist is to hold on to hope until you can hold on to it for yourself. But I think it's really important to surround yourself with people that can help reinforce that when things are are difficult because people are pulled in so many different directions, especially right now. But even there are times where we have losses and losses aren't just deaths, you know, losses of careers, jobs, money, relationships, things that have to do with our physical appearance. Because with our society, physical appearance is huge. Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, and it's like if you get a whole room full of women and ask them how they felt about each other, how they felt about themselves when they gained weight, you know, it's just one of those things where it's it's humongous. Um, so I do want to say out there to my listeners that it's it's important. And that's one of the reasons we were earlier talking about some of the currency that we use on this earth. And part of the currency that we use with relationships is you you're paying into the relationship and feeding into the relationship so that when you need to make a withdrawal, it's there. I used to get, when I first moved here, and I don't know if you've ever been to Los Angeles, but it's a very insular community. People, they have their own little clans and tribes and they, Mm -hmm. you don't go to a bar expecting to, oh my God, it's a party like you do in New York. You go with your people (laughs) because there's not a lot of folks mingling. And, um, I came out here with that mentality thinking, oh, I'm just going to go to the bar and bam, it's going to be on. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, ain't nobody saying nothing to me. And that lasted for like a long time and I was beginning to internalize it. And I was like, I guess this is just what the culture is. But I was socially deficient at the same time, Dr. Erica. And I was like, I got to fix this. So mm-hmm. I would literally go to strangers that I had seen time and time again and just introduce myself. I'm Jermaine. I see you here all the time. I know you see me, yada, yada, yeah. yada. Yeah, let's, you know, let's hang out. And even that in the beginning was met with a lot of hesitancy and rejection. But now I have some of the greatest friends as a result of that initiative. And they tell me, they're like, had you never said anything to me, I would have never, we would have never been friends. But I am so glad because you are like one of the best things that I've met out here. So um, sometimes you just have to be that person that somebody needs that they don't even know they need. And that, you know, getting out of here, and that's a lot of, I guess it takes a lot of gumption, as my grandmother would say. But, um, you know, I got something out of it, too. But, uh, yeah, it was just a very different way of learning how to live when I moved here at 31. It It's huge. And I, I think people sometimes underestimate the skill set it takes to make friends, yeah. especially as an adult, because... When you're young and you're in college, you're in environments where everyone is places. Yeah. Everyone is new. Yeah. So everyone is forced to make friends because most likely everyone's in the same situation. And then as you get older, if you're moving or shifting environments, yeah, it just takes a lot more effort and a different set of skills. So I, I love that you brought out the idea of it's time for me to make some friends. Right. It's not happening. Yeah. Let me let me start speaking to people and initiate some conversations sure. and, and see what happens. And I know that's one of the reasons some people may move and they also join meetups. Yeah. Or other things like that. 
But I also think you're bringing out something that's really important, especially since people have been physically distancing and a lot of people are still dealing with some challenges with loneliness and feeling disconnected in this pandemic is the fact that sometimes you have to get creative about connecting with other mm, people. You do. You do. Um, and I learned and, to even know how to make friends at 31 because like you just said, you when you're in environments where you're all trying to make friends, such as college and high school, people you grew up with, I don't know if you even learn the skill to it. You just become friends. And then when you get older, you're like, well, how did I do that with my best friend of all these years? How did we become best friends? And it was just something that organically happened because why it just happened. And you realize at 30 something years old, it's like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) But I got creative and yeah. And on that same note, I'm not even good at dating when it comes to stuff like that. I'm not. I start tripping over my words because I'm trying to be all charismatic and funny and trying to hit the right light sort of shit. <laughs> it's an acrobat. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know how people fall in love at the grocery store because the lighting is horrible at the grocery store and you're in shower slippers. But, you know, it's what it is. I got time. I- I haven't fallen in love at Target yet. I keep waiting. I, I keep waiting for love at Whole Foods. That's why I'm on the Bumble. What he said, don't believe the lies that you hear about yourself or that you tell yourself. That is a whole entire word. I think I may need a mic drop. I love how he brought out the idea of strategies to make friends as adults, because it's true. It's so much easier to make friends when we are younger, because everybody's trying to make friends at the same time, which is so different than when we're an adult. So thanks, Jermaine, for bringing that out. And on another side note, I'm still waiting to find love at Whole Foods. I'm going to keep you posted if I find love at Whole Foods. That's it, folks. You made it to the end of another Better with Dr. Erica bonus episode. I had a total blast. Thanks for kicking it with me. Oh, my God. I have such a great time with you guys. And I'm so thankful that you decided to tune in because guess what? There are so many podcasts you could be listening to, probably literally a zillion or some of my patients say a trillion billion. And you chose to listen to mine. So thank you so much. There's one last bonus episode that'll be coming before season three starts because we are doing our best to make season three epic. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm so excited. So if you haven't followed or subscribed yet, please do. That way you don't miss any bonus episodes or regular episodes as we have so much going on. And I want to say thank you for showing up. Thanks for showing up for me. Thanks for showing up for yourself because the point of this podcast is to put you back into your life. I'm here to help you be better, do better, and live better and have that life you deserve. So when you show up for my podcast, you actually show up for yourself. So thank you. And if you love what you hear, please follow or subscribe. That will let you hear all the bonus content, know everything that's coming, know when we release new episodes. The next, if you also enjoy, please rate and review. That helps me get even more content for you. I would really appreciate it. And the next thing is take your left hand, put it on your right arm, take your right arm, put it on your left, right, right hand left arm squeeze give yourself a big hug thank you i give you a hug but you know we're socially distancing trying to stay away from the rona also known as omarion so i want to send you some love send you some positive energy and until next time have a better day 
I'm so excited that you have been here supporting Better with Dr. Erica along the way. Can you believe we just made it to the end of season two? Season two. First, I have to say thank you for making my dream of being a podcast host come true. Thanks for all your support. And I look forward to bringing even better content for you, which is hard because it's getting pretty good in season three. Now, while I'm gone, that doesn't mean the episodes will stop coming. You will see some bonus episodes pop up. So it's going to be important for you to follow or subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss a thing. Now, if you start missing me too much, you can always go back and listen to past episodes. Because as you can tell, there are quite a few. So especially if you started listening a little later in the podcast, or there's some things that you may want to just listen to again and see what additional knowledge and tidbits you can get. I encourage you to go back and listen to some past episodes and I will be busy like a busy bee coming up with some new great episodes for you for season three. I even started taping some of them and you are going to love them. I know I do, but thank you so much again. I can't wait to see you on the other side. Stay tuned for the bonus episodes. Better with Dr. Erica.